great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just ran down. Everybody, amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and Rammy. Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's Wow. Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, Victory Monday. The Rams kicked some ass yesterday, but first and most importantly, my good brother, how are you? I'm great. You know, feeling uh, feeling the uh, aftermath of a W. You know, in Fine. all the best ways. I feel like, uh, you know, I wish I had a football field like Tom Brady to run around and throw some like fake pump fakes and put on a <laughs> put on a jersey. Did you see that? That was really I weird. I did. Yeah, the Patriots had honored Tom Brady, and they allowed him to run out of the tunnel. And I feel like every player that has been honored when they run out of the tunnel, they go through their pregame regime. And Tom Brady's is especially uh, attention-seeking. I feel like in terms of the let's go and the fist pump and whatever. But he's the goat, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Um, but wow, why don't we talk about the second oldest quarterback in the league, Nick Matthew Stafford, and the surgical performance that he had yesterday. And while we talk about Matthew Stafford, I think it's also very important to talk about the offensive line, right? Because the offensive line has been a talking point over the past two seasons. And um, it's, it's, it's a unit that needed to come together. They prioritized protecting the quarterback, Matthew Stafford, making sure that he stays upright, doesn't get hit, stays protected under pressure. And on 38 dropbacks, they only allowed six pressures and two quarterback hits and no sacks. So Matthew was kept pretty upright for the majority of the game. And if you give him time, you know how surgical he could be. And they allow for the when, – when Matthew Stafford has time in the offensive line is working together, you, you feel like some of those longer developing pass plays, uh, those concepts can develop downfield, and he's just going to dice you up when he has the necessary time. So between Alaric Jackson, Steve Avila, Coleman Shelton, Joe Noboom, and Rob Havenstein, everybody gets a game ball. Just kudos to being able to run a you know a, a, an offense that's competent, be able to protect your quarterback, and then also be able to run the ball really well in two different personnel groupings. Um, so between those two, Matthew Stafford and the offensive line, how, I mean, you could talk about it all day. A, A-plus grades for both of them. Uh, yeah. Outstanding performance. Uh, I mean, the, the worry was, it was like, who's going to step up? You know, who's Matthew Stafford going to throw the ball to? We – you know, thought maybe Van Jefferson would squeak in a touchdown somewhere. But when you get to run the ball 40 times and you have consistently good runs and you don't abandon the run, then you allow, you know, to open up the pass game. And then Puka Nakua, out of nowhere, left field. People are, like, scrambling to pick this guy up in fantasy. Uh, <laughs> nearly like a perfect game. And I, that connection between the old man and – the kid, he, he may or may not have had to need a lookbook to figure out who he was. It was great. Yeah. I, so you mentioned the Rams ran the ball 40 times. 
And I mentioned that they were able to execute while they're in multiple personnel groupings. You saw a heavier package with 12 personnel, but you also saw their standard looks out of 11 personnel, which is only going to build up the, the confidence of the group holistically. And it felt like we had to win at the line of scrimmage. We talked about in the last episode, you have to be able to establish the run. You have to be able to punch the rock, pound the rock in the red zone. And I think when you win at the line of scrimmage consistently and you establish a run game that then opens up some of those longer developing pass concepts and the relationship between Matthew Stafford and Tutu Atwell and Matthew Stafford and Puka Nakua, everybody's new favorite player, is developing right before our eyes. And Nick, I felt like it was that first that first series, that that 16 play opening scoring drive that just left us optimistic for the remainder of the game and for the remainder of the season. And it just felt like it progressively got better and cleaner and more efficient as the game progressed. And it, I just felt like it was a thing of beauty. It felt like the more possessions that you gave this offense, uh, the better off that they were and, and more continuity they were able to build, getting in and out of the huddle, understanding things pre-snap, being able to diagnose things post-snap. They were just, the play calling was was near perfection. So Sean McVay also gets an A-plus in terms of play calling. And Matthew Stafford, we talked about how surgical he was. Five big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays, and a 91.9 grade via PFF. So healthy, athletic, comfortable, every single positive characteristic that you could use to describe Matthew Stafford is right out on the table. He was never the fifth best quarterback in the conference. He was never the second, third best quarterback in the division. It's absolutely ridiculous the amount of disrespect that he gets for the quality of player that he is. And the age that he's playing at in his 15th season with his second team after getting his ass kicked for, what, 12, 13 years in Detroit, coming over to Los Angeles, winning playoff games, winning a Super Bowl. The respect is warranted, and it's so great to see it all happen. I feel like whenever there is smoke, there usually is fire. And there was a lot of smoke in the offseason regarding Matthew Stafford and how old he was. And, you know, the Rams were potentially thinking about trading him. They were taking calls, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And you think, like, after this weekend, you're like, it's like Vegas, like, pushing out these stories to, like, you know, potentially get the public off of the Rams. Because Matthew Stafford looked like, Arguably the best quarterback in the league after that game. I mean, like, I didn't get to watch every game. Not, you know, nobody did, unless you're, you know, YouTube TV with the four box and the four box. But I wasn't able to do that. But it was a lot of bad offense. It was a lot of bad quarterback play throughout the entire league. And Matthew Stafford steps up and, you know, no turnovers. Like you said, five big time throws. It was to these young receivers who are completely unproven. And steps up, and you're like, yeah, this yeah. Is why you go out and you get this guy, and this truly, like, you know, I thought the Rams could be tanking based on all the all the smoke and the fire from all the press releases, and now I'm like, let's go with the freaking playoffs, baby. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You got the I, yeah, team. totally on the same page. You shut him down last year. He, he doesn't finish the season. He doesn't play any any snaps in the preseason, right? I mean, you have to be able to onboard him throughout all of training camp, throughout all of the off-season meetings, throughout all the pregame meetings. And for him to be able to step in and look like the first, second, third best quarterback in the league within the first week of the season against the Seahawks defense, who we talked about how talented they were at defensive back, their issue was being able to get to Matthew Stafford and being able to contain the run on 40 rush calls. The combination of Kyron Williams and Cam Akers was just a little bit too consistent 
and and difficult to, to stop, especially in the red zone with some of those intricate play calls and some of the, the, the ideas that they had to be able to get some of these skill players in space. Did a great job with Kyron Williams. And then on the fourth down call where McVay just, you know, went full big balls and ran that up. A toss play to Cam Akers where he essentially just walked in the end zone. Those are the kind of things from a play calling perspective, from an execution perspective. And you saw it like on third and, and four, on third and five, they went with the run. You know, they were in empty and in necessary situations. You felt like there was a time in the second half where they started to move away from it. But it's because that's where they were executing. You yeah. were able to get that that protection and that there was no pressure. Matthew Stafford was, was able to sit comfortably in the pocket, pick apart the defenders, let some of those longer developing pass plays come to fruition. And he created a relationship with these receivers, these young receivers in Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua, seemingly overnight. This Ram Lambs statistic is unbelievable. The first Ram-Lambs. age 23 or younger with 100 plus receiving yards each since 1958. Nick, have you ever heard of Del Schaffner and Lamar Landry? Lundry? We've all heard of them. Lamar Landry, but I, I, yeah, I know them. Yeah, 1958 football reference. I mean, Jesus Lord, the the fact that that was available in yesterday's game against such a talented defensive back grouping just goes to show that I think this team wants to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm 100. Um, percent I didn't say it earlier. I know you did. Shout out to the offensive line because that was amazing, and that's what that's what allows these Kyron Williams runs to be so powerful. Um, I wore my Todd Gurley T-shirt today just to symbolize how proud I am of the run game. And fans of Rams Brothers the Pod who listened to last week's episode will know that Dean and I said, "Don't abandon the run. You have to stick to the run. You like that's how you're going to be able to beat this team." 40 carries, Nick. 40. 40 carries. 40. Kyron Williams, another one people are probably running to to pick up. Um, and, like, to get three running touchdowns, like, game one of the season, I don't know. It's just – it's I, I feel completely different from this team last year. They feel young, at, like, super young and hungry. And yeah. for Cam Akers to go out there and actually, like, you know, maybe a little more running back two than running back one. Which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. Kyron Williams stepped up in places that I don't think any of us expected him to, and maybe Dean, who called who called his shot last uh, last week. But still, yeah, I mean, ten out of ten job. I'm I'm very excited to see what this team has. You know, go up against the best defense in the league next week. We'll see. We'll we'll see what we got. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing about Seattle's defense. We were like, don't abandon the run. Let's go with 40 carries. Let's pound the rock in the red zone. And they allowed 21 touchdowns last year. And look, that carries over from year to year. They're not able to defend the run well in the red zone, and that's what you take advantage of. And that's exactly what they did. I just want to spend another minute on Puka Nakua because from an offensive standpoint, Puka Nakua played a perfect game. And he was one of the rookies that we mentioned in the previous episode that is going to be hungry and needs to step up and was essentially begging for, for more receptions and more targets. And I feel like the passes that he and Stafford weren't able to connect on were due to some timing issues or errant throws. But once it got going, it was a thing of beauty. I mean, this stat line, 10 receptions for 119 yards on roughly 15 targets. I mean, you talk about uh, most targets a rookie receiver has ever had in week one since targets became an official stat in 1992. Well, that was previous uh, record holder was Anquan Bolden. And that was in 2003. So Kurt Warner to Anquan Bolden, Matthew Stafford to Puka Nakua. But what's the difference, Nick? I'm not even sure. Yeah. And, I mean, just, yeah. 
Puka Nakua stepping up like that. That third down, I think it was like third and eight. That play where he like you know he like caught it and he's like kept his feet in and still like Matthew Stafford overthrew him on that like one deep ball, which he almost you know it laid out and out. made a play for. Yeah, and he he came as close to that as he possibly could. So yeah, I mean shout out where it's due. Puka Nakua, offensive line, Matthew Stafford, Tutu Atwell, Kyron Williams. I think every single one of them deserve a game ball, and we haven't even gotten to the defense yet. No, we haven't. Puka, amazing. Nick, Puka was the first rookie receiver to go over 100 yards since their debut, since Jamar Chase, which is only a couple of years ago. But he's the fourth player in NFL history to have 10 receptions for over 100 receiving yards in his first career game. And the last two players to do that were Kiki Conti in 2018, which is a name I don't even recall. And again, Anquan Bolden in 2003. It's the most ever yards by a Rams receiver in their NFL debut. And he's only the second player drafted in the fifth round or later with 100 plus receiving yards in his NFL debut. So what he did was absolutely nothing short of amazing. McVay talked about how he played like a grown adult and not a rookie because it's exactly what the hell he did. He stepped up for the absence of Cooper Cup, who would have received 15-plus targets in this game, played his ass off, and how he's not everybody's favorite player at this point is, is beyond me. Kid played his ass off. Yeah, 100%. And so did 2-2 Outwell, Nick. I have 2-2 Outwell was the slow burner in this game. Was Cooper Cup is going to come back, and we're going to have 2-2 Atwell, Huka Nakua, and it's going to be – Van Jefferson might just take a seat. <laughs> I mean, six receptions for 119 yards, 2-2 Atwell. I don't think his first reception came until late in the second quarter. I, the kid, I'm happy to know that he's not a bust, but to know that he's now a legitimate contributor on the offense and quite possibly Matthew Stafford's second favorite target for the next three or four weeks. God damn it, I love this offense so far. Yeah, I know. It's 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 really fun. And I didn't think I'd be sitting here talking about how much fun I had watching that game. Uh, like I really I really did not. Yeah, I mean, this was the two of us as soon as the game ended. It's a live shot of Nick and I as soon as the game wrapped up. This is how I think all Rams fans truly felt I'm as soon the as the game came to a conclusion. And uh real quick before we pivot over to the defense, I just want everybody to focus on Steve Avila for a second. Because this could be the player that I think changes everybody's mind in terms of how Les Snead prioritizes offensive alignment and drafts. And to be able to hit on a player that's larger for his size at the guard position, for him to be an immediate plug and play, and to be able to correct a mistake that you made the year prior on Logan Bruss after you jumped into the pool to celebrate that draft pick, the next year... You go out to the team that played in the national championship and you bring in a starting caliber left guard to protect Matthew Stafford's blind side. All credit to Les Snead, all credit to this kid for stepping up and playing his ass off in his first game as a professional. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. We loved it. All right. How I mean, yeah, that, they're the reason why Matthew Stafford looks so good. So you really got to give it up. Yeah, you do. And Matthew Stafford's great. But I mean, the offensive line, we keep him protected. He's going to be able to dice you up, man. Yeah, that, and that was the thing last year. It was like he didn't have a lot of time. And you need these, you know, you need McVay's schemes to develop. And the only way to do that is when you can, like, sit there, sit back. Yep, yep. So I know people weren't excited over the fact that Raheem Morris was coming back. And, and maybe that's understandable considering the defense, how they played last year, but the offense was so piss poor. The defense was on the field for 75% of the game. And considering yeah. he almost was a head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, and now he's back for the Rams as a defensive coordinator, per the ESPN Stats and Info slash Elias Sports Bureau, that was the fewest 
Seahawks yards that they've ever gained in a half since 1979. If anybody remembers back to 1979 when they had six yards in the first half in a loss against the Rams and then minus 13 yards in the second half for an NFL record of negative seven yards. And that record still has not been touched yet. Wow. Jeff Fisher yeah. came close. <laughs> but in terms of, of uh, where we netted out yesterday and considering the state of the modern NFL, this is absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, the game was very, very close. It felt like within the first half. I mean, I felt like the Rams had a couple of opportunities to knock on the door. They had that final series within the first half offensively where they almost came back and kicked a field goal after the first one was blocked. Um, and then Brett Maher came back and made a couple of, but in the second half, this defense felt like they consistently got off the field on third down. Um, they, they corrected the mistakes that they had made in the run game. And I feel like the best part about Seattle's numbers, when you look at them holistically throughout the full game, it's like, it was just like, it was just cut right in half. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are, they all look like they're incomplete stats. You had a lot of people, you have obviously the veteran presence of Aaron Donald making a huge statement and giving us potentially the greatest clip from week one. Um, Gino not even realizing Aaron Donald's coming and then screaming, Oh my God. And then like getting the ball away, like as fast as he possibly could. Um, literally like perfect. And I, I didn't even hear that in real time because no, I was watching like a couple games, but like to see that, like coming back, like as like one of the, like the things when you're like checking Twitter and you're all just like happy scrolling. Cause you won, you're like, Oh my God, like this is, this is great. A right here. Phenomenal, phenomenal content. And that's exactly how I would feel if Aaron Donald was coming at me. Um, and I know that some people don't necessarily believe in halftime adjustments, which, you know, it, it goes one way or the I other. I believe in them. I know Peyton Manning has has crap talked them, but I think the game has changed since he has been a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, there's not I mean, how many freaking tablets do these players have that they have on the sidelines to be able to diagnose film and to be able to make adjustments on the fly. And they have so many different schemes and sub packages and personnel groupings they could rotate in to be able to correct some of those mistakes. And with young kids flying around, I think that's what I love so much about the defense. It just feels like there's so much young talent that's hungry, that wants to win, that's playing aggressive with their heads on fire. And, you know, whether it's a halftime adjustment or not, Seattle wasn't even alive in the second half of that game. I feel like the absolute, Rams absolutely dominated in every single category. Third down percentage, um, penalty yards, the DK Metcalf penalty on, on Akella Witherspoon, which probably should have been a penalty initially, and then he got flagged for taunting. And then that just compiled into mistake after mistake after mistake for Seattle, which is a kudos and credit to the Rams' coaching staff to be able to keep all of these rookies in check. But I mean, like the greats, like Aaron Donald, he's probably the best example and the greatest player that we've ever had, the greatest player I've ever had a chance, the luxury to watch. He, what he said, like I, being able to motivate himself, what he said all throughout the offseason, how do I find ways to motivate myself? Like, how do I continuously seek respect and not just seek out to be liked? I, I want to be able to be the greatest of all time. I want to be able to lead this young core. I want to be able to turn Byron Young and Kobe Turner into professional NFL players who can help me and make my job easier. And that's what the greats do. They make it easier on everybody else. Um, and Aaron Donald is just the greatest that I've ever seen in that capacity. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm waiting for them to put up the statue at SoFi. I don't know why they haven't done it yet. I mean, yeah, the way that they um, – and you know what? I was just trying to watch them when they were bringing pressure, just rushing three, or they were trying to generate pressure by rushing four. It felt like what they were able to do really well was create and manufacture pressure. 
right? Because they weren't generating a natural rush. And then you saw Byron Young get in on a couple of free rushes. And because you don't have a dynamic pass rush in that regard quite yet, you're able to introduce some of those stunts and blitz packages to get Seattle's front a little bit out of whack. And because they had two tackles and ended up getting banged up throughout the game, it got Geno Smith off of his spot. And when you're successful in execution in some of those, those blitzes and some of those stunts, just to be able to get the quarterback off their spot is sometimes a victory in its own to be able to cause an errant throw on, on a third and short. Uh, and some of the play calling for Seattle was a little bit all over the place down the stretch, but I was deprived of not being able to see Aaron Donald play and the impact that he has on every single one of these games is never forgotten. He's an ageless wonder. So it's, yeah, it's I mean, I, honestly, I feel like it was forgotten by um, like national media, like people coming in here thinking that Seattle's just going to completely blow us out. And it's like, you have one of the hungriest uh, players in the entire league who feels like he needs to restart his entire career. Like his words, like he needs to start over from scratch and like, you know, gain that respect again and an immediate impact literally every single play, like you said. So, and then, you know, for some of the young kids too, following his footsteps, Byron Young, Looked like he was shot out of cannon, some of those free rushes. And Kobe Turner, you know, was able to lock in his first NFL sack. The conductor, as they said, on um, on the TV. And I was like, I was like, hey, yeah, we called that. Well, I mean, yeah. not really. We just no, no. But it was a player that I think a lot of people uh, didn't see a ton of in the preseason. And when you're able to be the beneficiary of some of the Aaron Donald stunts and blitzes and him being able to draw double, triple teams – Hey, we're talking about Greg Gaines and um, Sean Robinson last year. Uh, they were the beneficiaries to Aaron Donald. And in New York and Tampa Bay, they're going to have a lot different of assignments and take on more responsibility. And when you play with Aaron Donald, sometimes you have to take on less responsibility and you just have to execute in the job that is brought to the table. And I think a lot of these young kids know what their job is. They know how to play football and they're hungry to do so. And that was his ask of the offseason. And it's more credit to less need to be able to identify those type of kids be able to bring them into the building and then allow them to win games on the road, hang a 30 burger on the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen field uh, in week one of the regular season. When everybody said that you were going to suck is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. I mean, should we talk about the kind of glaring issue, which kind of figured itself out like halfway through the game? I was going to say, is it even an issue anymore? Well, was Brent Maher, the first kick got cut, got blocked. And then the second kick was another 56 yarder. Which, Which is like, I'm almost like you're setting him up to fail. It's like this guy has gone through so much mentally, like through his career. And then you set, you know, you put him, you trot him out there for a 57 yard and you're like, okay, okay just don't, don't let it get returned back is like right. the thought I'm having. And of course it gets blocked. And, I, and then I'm, you know, rage tweeting, like special <laughs> teams is going to ruin, lose us two to four games this season. And then, you know, to go out there and do it again and actually, you know, drill a 38-yarder and then a 54-yarder, both in big situations, and made all his extra points. I mean, yeah. like he definitely figured it out. I didn't love what I saw when the Rams had to punt once, but, you know. like Yeah, I think the – off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only decision that I think I, I disagreed with. Or I, yeah, I think it was the one right before the half where Brett Maher ended up missing the 56 yarder or there was the 57 yarder that ended up getting blocked on fourth and four that they should have just went for, you know, cause I mean, what's the situation there? You might as well have just went for it in that situation to be able to try and convert, keep the offense on the field instead of trying your kicker out who's never kicked a field goal for your team. 
But it ended up, like you said, it ended up correcting itself. I'm not too concerned over the the kicker conversation, and it's one I would gladly be wrong about. If Fred Maher is great for the Rams for the rest of the regular season and into the postseason, if that's the case, great, wonderful. Um, but, you know, I, the, what I saw, I've never seen a kicker miss five extra points consistently in the postseason, uh, which will always kind of stick to my memory. And until something bad happens, we're going to try and ride the wave. So all credit to Brett Maher, give him all the money, make all the 54 yarders that you would like. We will be on board. We'll jump on the bandwagon as long as no fans want to have our heads, because I feel like the remainder of our takes are pretty decent, pretty rational. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. What else did, uh, did we want to chat about before we signed off? Anything specific? Like, this is almost stupid to bring up, but I'm going to bring it up because it kind of grinded my gears. Only two bone games. <laughs> only two games in the bone jerseys. That's my favorite jersey in all the NFL. And we're only I'm getting rock- two games. I'm rocking full bone right now. I mean, I got my yeah. bone hat and my bone shirt. Nick's rocking the bone hat. So clearly we're, we're fans of the bone. Um, you know, maybe we get a couple more games in the future, but it seems like, you know, the priority is the white, the blue whatever i don't give a shit what they wear as long as they win football games i really don't right and those modern throwbacks are turning into my favorite you know it's overtaking the bone oh yeah because of the lack of the bone and it's one of the it's it's, i mean this jersey this is one of the cleanest looks in the nfl although i prefer the yellow like stafford has the rams brothers hat on in that picture (laughs) it looks like a rams brothers hat (laughs) it does to keep, uh, keep with us for the rest of the, of the regular season and hopefully into the postseason, make sure that you guys... Ram it! Like and subscribe. Be a part of the movement. We're going to have a hell of a lot of fun this year. It already feels like it's going to be an incredible season. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back on this feed Thursday. We'll do a game preview um, of the San Francisco 49ers. Check us out on TikTok. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you got anything, at Rams Brothers, we'll be there. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. Horns up. Great win. Go Rams. Let's keep stacking them. Peace out.